Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. Hello, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is where you are. Welcome back to the Wise Birth Radio. I am your host, Mabel Coughlin. I think this is the first time that I've ever said my last name on this podcast because it's so easy to mispronounce. It's spelled C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N. My father and I pronounce it Coughlin. My grandparents pronounce it Coughlin because it was just easier than correcting everybody, I assume. And my great-grandfather, who is Irish, said Coughlin. So, you know, whatever you'd like, that's my name. Um, I am out here for a walk today with my son, Olin. I don't know if you could hear that bird, but it was pretty cool sounding. We had started getting ready to go for a walk in the middle of the rain because I was so tired of saying that I'm not going to go outside because it's raining. So we got on all our rain gear, got the stroller all outfitted with its little rain shield thing, and we got outside and it stopped raining. So I have left my rain jacket at home. If it starts raining again, I may pause the podcast recording and go home to stay out of the rain, but we will see what happens. It is very muggy here today. It's been such a rainy month. July has just been so wet and yeah, I feel like I haven't had enough time in my garden when it hasn't been raining, but the weeds have been so excited about all the rain that when I get there again, it's going to be, it's going to be very weedy. There'll be lots to do. Oh, and here comes the rain again. I feel like I can sustain this amount of rain. We'll see how wet I get. It's kind of an adventure though, walking for in, in the rain without a rain jacket or shoes. Anyways, I've talked about the rain. I've talked about my last name. This is not what this podcast is about. Um, on today's episode, I wanted to talk a bit about what kind of labels and nomenclature there is in the birth world and I think that some of it will be more just informational and sort of the word I'm thinking of is categorical but I don't think that's what I mean but just an introduction and overview of what the different things that people call themselves mean and I'm sure at some point I will launch into a spiel about What do any of these words actually mean? What does it really mean to be a certain profession or allowed to do something by a certain body or, you know, the frivolity, perhaps, of titles in general? But I wanted to start at the beginning, not at the beginning, because this was certainly not there at the beginning of women's health, but sort of at the top of the medical pyramid, I guess. I don't know. I wanted to start with obstetricians. So, something that I heard I have no idea where. I'm sure it's come from multiple places. Sorry, let's back up. I'm going to read to you 
what Google says obstetrics is. This is just the first thing that came up in Google's little summary of definitions. So, obstetrics, the branch of medicine and surgery concerned with childbirth and the care of women giving birth. So I feel like right away, I know that Google doesn't necessarily have the understanding of this, but right away in that definition it says concerned with childbirth. And that to me gives me a big clue of these aren't people who are supporting birth. These aren't people who are holding space for birth. These aren't people who are assisting even. These are people who are concerned with childbirth. And I know that's not what the dictionary meant, but I think that words come through in a certain way for a reason, and that stuck out to me. So the second thing that I noticed, and I'm sure you noticed as well, was that it's the branch of medicine and surgery concerned with childbirth. So, sorry, I just finished coming up a hill. Um, obstetricians are not trained to support normal, natural, healthy, physiological birth, pregnancy, and birth, and postpartum. That's just not what they do. They are trained in surgery. They are trained in They are trained in high-risk scenarios. They are trained in when things go wrong. And many of them have never actually seen a case of what if things just go right. Which is pretty mind-blowing to me that people whose whole career is in this field of birth and pregnancy and women's health woo, just stepped on a worm. Um, have never seen what childbirth is supposed to look like. They've seen what it looks like when it's been messed with. They've seen what it looks like in women who have other health conditions. They've seen what it looks like when it becomes medicalized and becomes surgery. So I suppose this is where my rant about words begins, is that this language and this way of thinking is so powerful, and that if you are trained in a field of medicine and surgery concerning childbirth, you may not even be aware that there is another way to do things. You probably think that this is the way birth happens, you know, under bright lights in a hospital with lots of horrible pain and it's just, oh my god, the worst, and there's all sorts of awful pregnancy complications and people die and you need medicine and you need blah 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 and you need help and you need forceps and you need surgery and it's just the worst, and then everybody gets postpartum depression. I know I'm oversimplifying and dramatizing, but I do feel like for the majority of obstetricians, that's what they understand this childbearing year to be. And that is so different from what I understand the childbearing year could be, or can be. And I think it's just really sad for these people who are practicing, who have no idea the beauty and the life-affirming qualities, life-giving qualities, the positive change that this time period can bring to a woman, to her family, to the world, to the babies that are born, and instead just see it as this routine, sort of generally bad and scary thing. And then, of course, for women who work with them, that fear, that belief system is not necessarily automatically transferred to those women. I think that you can work with an OB and still keep your own belief system, but it's definitely 
present. It is a presence in that space of your birth, of your prenatals, this philosophy that the people that you've hired to care for you and the place that you've decided to give birth in is there as in some ways almost another person in the room. You have the background, the medical training, and the potential traumas that this OB has seen or heard of. So, that's an obstetrician. I'm not saying that there aren't wonderful, caring, kind um, obstetricians who are supportive of physiology and women's choice and responsibility, but that's not the majority of them out there. And again, it's not a personal failing on their part. It's not that anyone who's ever decided to be an OB is just a horrible person. It's that this system was not designed to support women's physiology. And in fact, none of the current Western medical system was really designed to support human health and physiology at all. It was designed to make people more money. Um, this is not a conspiracy theory, although I'm sure some people out there will say that it is. If you just do a quick Google search, history of Western medicine, you'll find that one of those Rockefellers decided to basically shut down a bunch of medical schools because they were teaching natural medicine, herbal healing, all that kind of stuff. And that was not profitable for him. And he had discovered that you could make a bunch of pharmaceuticals out of petrochemicals, which he had in abundance and they could be patented and sold as opposed to, you know, if someone tells you that you need to make a nettle tea, you can't, he won't make as much money on that. So he shut down a bunch of these schools and he basically implemented his own curriculum in the other schools in the US. And that's how your doctors came to be trained. So we're starting on a slightly cynical note here. But again, it doesn't feel cynical to me. I feel like about all of these sort of systems in general, this is going off on a bit of a tangent, but government, medical system, health insurance, whatever it is that you're talking about, grand scale systems in our current society, I do have a lot of skepticism and a lot of, mm, I just don't feel a part of it, if that makes sense. I understand that there are prevalent factors in our world and I feel like I have politely decided to say, no, thank you, this doesn't feel right for me. I honestly don't really trust that anything any of these people say are true anyways. And so you can do your thing over there and I'll do my thing over here. So I just wanted to clarify, in case it wasn't already clear, that I'm not coming at this from a place of anger and like, oh, the system. I've chosen to, as much as possible, just remove myself from that and take responsibility for my own life, my own health, my family's health, and not engage in those systems. And that doesn't mean that I refuse to go to the hospital and that if I cut my arm off in some horrible chainsawing accident, I wouldn't go to the emergency room. I absolutely would. But I am opting out of their mm, their philosophies, their mental programmings, 
to choose what makes sense in certain scenarios for myself, not based on fear, not based on what someone who supposedly has hierarchy or more power than me has to say. All right, end rant. Let's get back to the topic at hand. All right, so the next category, I suppose you could say, of providers, practitioners, people who support birth is midwives. So this can look like so many different things. And as I talked about on the wise woman model of care episode, what the way somebody practices or what someone believes is not reflected necessarily in what they are called, what their title is, what their certifications or lack thereof are. And that the way someone practices, the way someone sees women and birth can be completely, is completely individual. And just because someone says they're a something something doesn't mean that they're going to practice in the way that you think something something should practice. So that's sort of my big disclaimer with this whole labels talk is that yes, knowing what someone calls themselves and how they've been trained can tell you something about the support that they offer. And also it can not tell you something about that. It could misinform you when in reality what they do is something else. And that could be either in a positive way for you or in a way you're like, whoa, I was not expecting this person to do that because I hired them to be my midwife and all of a sudden they're all gung-ho about this medical procedure and I thought because they called themselves a midwife they wouldn't do that. So, there's my sort of disclaimer about this whole thing. So I'm going to get a little bit into some acronyms and some... Um, sorry, my son's trying to jump out of the stroller while being, I'm being attacked by mosquitoes. Some acronyms and some rules and some certification details that you may or may not need to know. But it is a very confusing thing, <laughs> to me at least. There's so many letters and who knows what this means and it's different in each state and I have no idea what it's like in the rest of the world so I'm just talking about here in the United States. When most people think of a midwife, they think of someone who has been trained, often in midwifery school or in nursing school and then on to sort of a master's program in midwifery and has been given the go-ahead to be a midwife by the governing body, has training that's been approved by a governing body and is all certified and licensed and has insurance and yada yada. And some of these midwives practice in hospital and some practice at home. So I'm going to go into a little bit of the letters. So a CPM is a certified professional midwife. They are recognized in, I want to say most states, but it could be somewhere closer to half. I don't remember exactly. Definitely not here in New York. So a CPM is someone who has gone to an accredited two or three year midwifery school, accredited by Meek, which is what the Midwifery Ed Education Accreditation Council, I believe, which is a board of people who are put together to decide if schools, curriculums were acceptable by their standards, matched up to what they thought that they should teach, and these schools paid the money to be accredited. So you can probably tell my whole general belief system around this setup. 
Um, I think it's silly and I think it's a bunch of people just looking for other people for approval and maybe some people looking for other people for money in order to win their approval. So that's what a CPM is. They are approved because they have gone to this school or in some states they've been approved because they've gone through what's called the PEP process which is basically where you can prove that you've had an equivalent education to what you'd get in a meek accredited school. And for most women, this is not really relevant, but maybe you're a birth worker or student midwife, I'll get to that term later, birth worker, and you are a little bit curious by all of these three-letter acronyms thrown around. So, that's a CPM. CNM, Certified Nurse Midwife, is, as the title says, someone who has nursing education and then has continued to midwifery education. And so at least in New York, that is the only way you can be accepted and allowed to practice by the state of New York, is if you have, basically you have to have a master's in midwifery. And so for most people that looks like going to school to study nursing and then another two or three year um, master's in midwifery program. And then again, you pay money to the governing boards and you pass a test and you say, yep, I know all these things, I did these things the way that you want me to, I'll pay you money every year for you to let me use these letters that say that I'm allowed to work in hospitals or at home births. So I think it might be state dependent, but there's also DEM, direct entry midwife, or some people just say CM, certified midwife. And I don't really understand what that means or who gives out those letters. Again, it might be different depending on the state. It's pretty confusing. But in general, if you are working with or know someone who is a licensed midwife, they're probably a CPM or a CNM. There are actually two states, I think, maybe three, that have what's called voluntary licensure for midwifery, which means you can be licensed if you want to, but you can also practice midwifery without being licensed. and. In theory, you won't get in trouble, although I feel like really if somebody wants to get you in trouble, they will get you in trouble regardless of your licensing status. I think it's Minnesota, maybe Utah, and I want to say either Washington or Oregon, technically. They have, you don't have to be licensed, but you can't advertise or charge for your services. <coughs> oh yeah? <coughs> We have a little guest visit here from Olin. He's trying to slap away mosquitoes. They're thick, so we're walking home. So this may be a two-part episode, but I'll keep going for now. So, CNM, CPM. I'm going to talk for a second about the term medwife. M-E-D-W-I-F-E, obviously. Um, that's often most used as sort of a derogatory term in more holistic birth spaces for someone who is a midwife but perhaps practices with a more medical mindset or from a more medical model. Um, so there's no definition to that and I think it's pretty silly and harmful to throw around labels like that that are intended to be unkind. And even though it's totally true that there are midwives who don't necessarily line up with my definition of you know, the natural, holistic, trust birth, trust women mindset that a midwife, in quotes, should have. Because again, just like any 
any trade, anything in life where you decide to put a label on someone, that person can technically belong in that box and also believe something completely different or have completely different background or different traumas that guide them to practice in a certain way. So that's midwife, not a fan of that term. <laughs> um, let's see what else. So there are some, hmm, let's continue with the midwife thing. So um, there's some people, Marin, for example, from Indie Birth, who is my midwifery school teacher, and I'm now very excited to be part of her magical mama circle. She calls herself an unlicensed midwife because for her, the original definition of the term midwife, someone who is with women, from the German mit, with women, rings true for her. She feels like, well, she's on hiatus from midwifery work right now, but hi, buddy, I'm recording a podcast. Why are you screaming at me? But in the past, she has felt like the term midwife best encompasses what she does. She just chose, intentionally chose not to be licensed. Um, and there are more and more, I think, or at least I'm learning of more and more of unlicensed midwives every day. And I think that's great. And some of them are in states where that's technically allowed, again in quotes, and some are in states where it's, in quotes, not allowed. But they do it anyways because they, and I'm, I am of this group, or will be, I imagine, when I become a midwife, um, believe that it's impossible to both serve women completely and truthfully, while also being responsible to the state, to the governing body of midwives, whichever it is, whichever way that is that that looks, and that in order to truly practice in the way that they want to, in the way that feels good to them, and in the way that their clients want to, they have to be just individually responsible and not responsible to, like I said, a governing body. Um, and I know that this is certainly not for every woman, every midwife. It's certainly not for every woman who wants to work with a midwife and it's not right for every woman who wants to be a midwife. And for me, I've just, I've heard of and I've seen so many scenarios. Like for example, I was a doula at a home birth in Massachusetts and after the birth, the midwife who was there was working with her assistant and they were like, okay, so let's say that we did a cervical exam at this time and it was probably would have been this many centimeters and then let's say we did it here and then we were this many centimeters and let's just put in a, say that we t listened to the baby's heartbeat at this time because we're supposed to listen every whatever, so many minutes, so many hours. And in their way, that was how they could best serve women by practicing the way that they wanted to and the way that the women wanted them to and not having unnecessary interruptions in the labor and then just by kind of fudging it, you know, on the back end, on the paperwork side. But for me watching that, I was like, whoa, I do not want my, basically my whole career to be lying to someone in order to feel some semblance of freedom in another way. That felt feels completely out of integrity for me. I don't want to tell someone, even if it's a bureaucratic board full of arbitrary rules that I don't believe with and think are nonsense, I don't want to say, yes, I will agree to your rules, I promise, I sign my name here, 
to say that I will do what you want me to do, knowing that I'm not going to do that. Um, some midwives would, licensed midwives would obviously not do that and will follow the rules to the T and I feel just from my perspective that that ends up meaning that they can't serve women in the way that perhaps they want to and the way that women want to. For example, in many states if a woman goes past 42 weeks yeah. of pregnancy she can no longer have a home birth so these midwives who may or may not feel like 42 weeks is really just drop off the edge of the cliff oh my god now it's a medical emergency have to because they've said i will agree by your rules transfer women to hospital care and again that's not something that i'm really willing to do either to serve someone else's rules and someone else's ideas of what is best practice above my own and above what a woman wants for herself that feels just whack and if that was the only way that i had to that i was able to practice midwifery for some reason, I would choose not to be a midwife, I think. So, midwives, unlicensed midwives. Um, what else? I'm gonna, well, let's go on to the term birth, birth keeper. Um, this was a term I believe was coined by Janine Parvati Baker back in the day, many decades ago. So, despite the fact that it feels like a new term and that it's seen particularly in relation to certain circles and that many people think it means a certain thing. This is actually an older term than that. Um, and it comes from a combination of birth worker and earth keeper, sort of like, you know, eco-activist type person. So I don't know if she had a specific mm, scope of practice in mind of what a birth keeper does or doesn't do when she made this term. I think it was more of a philosophical or energetic role. And as I said, I feel now that it's been co-opted, for sure, by certain groups in this sphere. And I'm not really into that. Um, so birth keeper doesn't technically mean anything. If somebody says they're a birth keeper, you should say, oh, what do you do? What does your support look like? What has your training been? What do you feel that actually means? So, <laughs> there's that. Um, there's all kinds of other labels. I'm sure you could think of 10,000. Well, maybe not 10,000, but at least a dozen. Like traditional birth keeper, birth companion, traditional birth support, yada yada. You know, all those kinds of names. Which I think in most case mean on some spectrum of I'm a midwife but I don't want to call myself a midwife. So that could be because they feel the term midwife is they feel that midwife is now more in alignment with what I described a medwife as earlier and that's not the way they practice and so that term doesn't feel right for them. It could be because they don't actually have the skills of a midwife or the experience of a midwife and that they're more there as emotional, energetic space holders because perhaps they believe that women don't ever need anything other than that and that if you just have someone there to hold the space and to help you do the emotional work in pregnancy that nothing will ever go wrong and everyone can have a perfect home birth. Sorry for the attitude, but I've got a little bit of attitude on this subject. So, someone could call themselves a birth keeper and actually truly have the experience and the skills of a midwife. 
And it's really just about what people prefer as their nomenclature. Um, what's next? Birth worker is a more general category. Anyone in this world of birth, that's sort of more clear. I want to move on just to the doula section of the world, segment of the world. So the word doula, as I understand it from my own doula training, comes from, I believe, the Greek word for servant or slave, which I know doesn't feel, doesn't feel great. Um, I remember in my own doula training that I did many, many years ago, birth doula training with, I can't even remember the name of the group that I trained with. That's how important it was in my life. I honestly am blanking on it, but anyways, um, they said that in some African country, African language, I believe, the word doula spelled D-U-L-A also means walking stick. And that was the way that I like to think of it. Was that a doula is a walking stick for a woman in this pregnancy and birthing time. So a birth doula, and again, this depends on who you're talking to, um, who they trained with. A birth doula is someone who provides more emotional, um, perhaps physical support in labor, like comfort techniques and yada yada, and helps guide a woman in, I feel like, more of the ways that friends would have back in the day when everybody knew what was up, when people knew what birth looked like, and they'd seen their aunts and their friends and their siblings give birth, and they were just there to support each other as women and as friends. And these days, because we're so disconnected from that, and so many of us have never seen birth before, have never even seen breastfeeding before, we need people, well, that's in quotes, we need people who have been professionally trained to support us in this way. Um, I think doulas can be really helpful for women, especially given that there's just so much information out there, and if you find a doula that you feel really in alignment with, and like you share a lot of views in common, then they can help you help direct you to really great resources that feel in alignment with you instead of just any old, you know, birth education course or movement to get your baby in a good position to birth it or whatever. Um, so similarly, well, many doulas are certified by their doula training organizations. Um, and there's no, like, legal governing body for doulas. So there's no, like, like midwives, there's no national board where you have to say, yep, I've completed these things and now I can call myself a doula. Anybody can call themselves a doula. And what I've noticed from sort of a more conventional doula training is that there is a lot of emphasis on being certified and being super professional and saying, yes, I have these qualifications, I am... I'm allowed to do this, and I have, yeah, basically just I'm allowed to do this. And I think part of that is just because, in general, as women, often it seems like we may not feel confident in doing the thing that we feel we know that we can do, until someone else says, yep, you're allowed, you got the piece of paper, you can do this, and in addition, and I don't really, I don't think this is true, but I think that many of us think that women want someone who has whatever letter certification behind their name. You can say, yes, someone else approved me to do this work. 
I'm not just some random stranger from the streets who says I'm a doula and will be there at your birth. Because for me, at least, honestly, if I find a random stranger on the streets who calls themselves a doula and has had no professional schooling or training, but feels to me really in alignment with the things that I want, the way that I live my life, and super supportive and positive presence in my life, I don't care. I will 100% work with that person over someone who says, yes, I have been certified. These are the ways that I practice. And if that doesn't line up with my life, then then I'm not interested. Um, so I feel like a lot of this licensure certification that people feel they need is really just because they don't feel full confidence to do what they know how to do. And they want someone to tell them that they're allowed to. And I could go on about witch wounding and yada yada, sister wound, whatever, but I think I'll leave it here. And just say that if you are someone who is maybe in this boat and is thinking about getting certified or feeling like they need to be certified, I just want to tell you that the women who will want to work with you, the women who are in alignment with the way that you work, will not care if you were certified or not. So do with that what you will. And I'm sure there are women for whom it's really important that you have the numbers, you have the letters, you have the stamp of approval. And if that's the case, then they will find someone who has that stamp of approval and who bears it proudly and they'll be a great match. And for me, I don't feel I'm not really part of that picture. And that's great, you know, for each their own. I think that there is a birth worker out there for everyone. And I don't pretend that I will be the right fit for everyone in whatever it is that I do. Because some people will be like, you are just nuts. And I need someone a little more on the straight and narrow because that's what I feel comfortable with. And that's great. I am a little bit nuts. There we have it. It's been spoken. All right, so birth doula, postpartum doula is similar. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but someone who supports women in the postpartum time, this can often look like anything really from food, body work, although again, in some states, you're not allowed to do body work unless you're officially licensed as a yada yada and you just have to call it healing hands or whatever. Stupid, in my opinion. But um, this could look like laundry or watching other kids or helping you clean the house or emotional support or teaching you how to do belly binding or doing moxa treatment. Um, these are just some of the things that I'm thinking of from my own postpartum doula trainings and I think some of them are a little more along the lines of like a, a healing professional um, like I took um, the conscious caregivers training program with the Center for Sacred Window Studies that is so many words I feel like I get it wrong every time but I think I got it right and I really really loved that program and it was definitely more of a how do I say it it felt like it was directed towards women who wanted to feel more skilled, more knowledgeable. I don't know if that makes sense, but just to contrast that in other doula trainings that I've seen, it seems like a lot of teaching people how to be emotional support, um, teaching people about, like, this is the scale for how you tell if someone has postpartum depression, and if you go to someone's house, you should maybe do a load of laundry, so again, more of that kind of like what any neighbor could do 
for a postpartum woman, but we've lost this sense of community, and so often neighbors don't do this. Whereas there's some doula trainings, like the one I took, the postpartum conscious caregivers training, that's more teaching mm, professional skills and knowledge that are more in alignment with like a healing practitioner, if that makes sense. For example, we learned really specifically and in depth about um, sort of the Ayurvedic principles of postpartum food, how to care for a woman in that way through the whole spectrum of postpartum time, um, how to evaluate like a woman's energetic and digestive needs and what would be best for her based on that and her constitution. We learned about moxa and different sort of warming or heat treatments. Um, Avianga, which is a traditional Ayurvedic oil massage. And so it's a little more specific or particular. And again, I can't recall, but I don't think that it necessarily advertised itself as a postpartum doula training. And I know that um, Rochelle's training in eight traditions, which I think is really lovely and I would love to do one day, also encourages people when they finish the training to call themselves postpartum caregivers. Because I feel like in some ways the term doula has been sort of trivialized, if that makes sense. And I'm not speaking down to anyone that calls themselves a doula, but I do understand the desire to sort of set yourselves apart as a care provider, a postpartum care provider, rather than um, a doula who may be a little less knowledgeable in the deeper, more traditional aspects of postpartum care. Um, so just like I was saying about birth doulas, again, maybe what you're looking for is just someone to come over and help you fold laundry. That's great. Whatever care provider feels best for you, regardless of their title, regardless of their training, regardless of what they call themselves, just find someone that feels right for you and that offers the things that you are needing. I really feel like the reason that we have all these labels, all these different layers of certification, and somebody said I'm allowed to and I pay money to this group so I can do X, Y, and Z, are because we don't have a sense of community. Like I imagine traditionally there would be a village midwife, maybe more than one. They'd be, this is the, that would be the person who everybody knows and trusts and says, yes, they have attended many births, they have the knowledge of herbs and of whatever other support techniques for when things get tricky. These are the people who hold that knowledge. And then there would be just friends and sisters and aunts, like I said, who would be perhaps the doulas and the postpartum doulas because everyone had more awareness of this time and more awareness of how important community support is. And now with the lack of that, that, with that awareness and that community, we need these different titles so people can understand who's who and who does what and who's allowed to support in what capacity. So I hope that was in any way helpful to somebody. Um, at the very least, you've all learned now that I am nuts, so that's the main takeaway from this episode. I'm joking. I think that the main takeaway from this episode should be regardless of what someone calls themselves or what letters they have or what stamps they have, you need to really see who someone is, see what it is they believe, what they honor, what they 
prioritize the way that they work and just deeply feel into, does this feel right for me? Is this somebody that I want in my space in this really special time? Does this person feel supportive to me? Does this person feel nourishing to me? Does this person feel like a positive presence in my life? Or does this person feel stressful and like someone I kind of want to avoid and maybe don't want to tell the whole truth about things to because I think it will make some kind of situation. And if that's the case, I would strongly advise you to to find someone else. Um, it may not feel easy. I know for me, I've sort of fallen into that pit of despair of like, well, I certainly don't want to birth at any of the, I'm not pregnant right now, but just thinking if I were to have another baby while we lived here, I do not want to go to any of the hospitals or quote unquote birth centers, which are basically just labor and delivery wards in a slightly separate building. And I don't feel super excited about working with any of the licensed midwives around here either. Um, I worked with one for Olin's birth and it was just not right for me. She was a lovely woman and I'm sure she's great. I've heard that she's really great for other people, but it just wasn't right for me. And so I sort of fall into this thing of like, oh my God, if I get pregnant again, I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to do and it's just going to be horrible and there's nobody here and I don't know, maybe I'll just have to have a free birth, which... I don't really feel called to do. I would love to have someone there that feels supportive to me and that I know if there's some kind of emergency situation can has some experience, has some skills, has some tools. But anyways, I have fallen into the trap of like, there's nobody here. And I think that it's important to just keep our creative thinking and our mm, capacity to manifest not in like a woo-woo, you know, raise your fingers at the sky and sprinkle some fairy dust and you'll manifest the perfect midwife all of a sudden who lives right next door to you. But that if you are committed to it, if you are open to it, if you are really living in truth with what your body is asking for, what your baby is asking for, that you will find the perfect situation and the perfect people to be there to support your birth. I've just heard so many stories of women who worked with midwives that they didn't feel super excited about and then oh look the baby came before the midwife got there and they weren't intending to have a free birth but something in them or maybe their baby knew that this would not be the right energy for this space so we're gonna make this happen before this support person gets here and by the same token i've heard stories and my own is one of these stories of people who have worked with someone even though it didn't feel super aligned they're like yeah but probably we can make it work and then afterwards definitely regretted it and it wasn't at least in my experience it wasn't the world's most horrible situation it was a great birth I honestly kind of enjoyed it <laughs> she was weird to say but I did and I know that there are really special moments that I missed because of the care provider that I chose um, so maybe finding the right care provider means that you're willing to travel somewhere I know for a lot of women, especially who have twins or VBAC, where it's, again in quotes, not allowed, and there aren't care providers who are knowledgeable and willing to support them with that, that they have decided to travel to somewhere where there's someone who will support them and who does feel in alignment. And I've said that word alignment so many times, but it feels like a really part, important part of this conversation. Um, so maybe you're willing to travel to find an Airbnb somewhere near where a midwife lives who you feel really excited about, or even an OB. 
Um, maybe you could find someone who is an unlicensed midwife or some other kind of birth support person that you would like to have at your birth and you feel comfortable and good about that choice. And if that's the case, then go for it. I think this is all just to say, I think um, Indie Birth, Margot of Indie Birth made this very cute reel. She's just the cutest reel maker that I know. And the, it was a song about like, if you're waiting for things, for things to get better, but you don't know if they're going to get better. I totally don't remember how this goes, but it's something like this. That sounds a lot like settling. And she did this cute little dance, and it was basically how that applies to midwives. Like, if you're working with someone, you're like, yeah, but it'll probably be, it'll be good, I think. Like, there's red flags have come up, but it'll be fine. And you stick with this person because maybe you're afraid there's no one else or because you think it's too late in your pregnancy to switch care. Then that sounds like settling. And do you really want to settle for this at this moment of your life? Is that the time when you want to be settling? Um, so regardless of where you are in your pregnancy, it is not too late to find someone that you really want to work with. And just be open to creative, outside-of-the-box solutions. And I think that if you're not yet pregnant, or if you're pregnant, but at least where I'm at right now, being not pregnant... I've been really feeling into and like feeling deep in my body. What does my body feel like when I think of finding and working with a really aligned birth support person who I imagine will be a midwife, but I'm open to whatever title she gives herself. And just really feeling like sitting there and letting that sink into my body and feeling all the sensations. So if I do it right now, I feel like I can expand my arms backwards and my heart feels really light and warm. There's also this sort of warm, like a tennis ball sized, right now it's kind of orange orb in my pelvis. It just feels really safe. And so feeling that and allowing that to kind of, mm, not projected, but just Allow yourself to feel that in your body and create that for yourself now and understanding that the feelings that you're creating for yourself now will will not determine but will influence what happens in your future, who shows up in your future. So, oh, my son's eating something weird. And it started to rain again. So I feel like this concludes this episode. Um, thank you all for listening. If you are local and you are wanting to connect with more women who may or may not be birth workers and may or may not be licensed by any title or have any names about them, then you should come on to our monthly prenatal and mother circle. The mother circle is the second Wednesday of every month and the prenatal circle is the last. Um, and those are from 7 to 9 p.m. in Kingston. What else do we have going on? I have my postpartum nourishment service, uh, which I feel really excited about. Like I mentioned, I learned a lot about postpartum cooking and the various principles and qualities of that. And I know that it's something that's easy to overlook in those sometimes chaotic first days and weeks of having a new baby. And I want you to feel well fed. So if you are local, you can go to catskillsbirth.org 
um, slash nourishment to find that page, learn more about it, um, and I am delivering within a certain radius. Because again, I don't want you to have to leave your cozy little nest to be fed. Is there anything else that we have going on? I can't remember at this moment. Um, but if you have any ideas for topics or for guests for future podcast episodes, please let us know. Um, and if you also wanted to give us a review, some stars, that would be swell. Um, I've been told that that's how more people find your podcast. And we really want people to have access to this information. I feel like it's so important. And lastly, for those of us, those of you, not those of us, who have not heard already through our newsletter list or through social media as of today, which is someday in July 2023, my co-what is she? My partner in crime, my business partner, my best friend Sarah Philkill is pregnant, not as of today, but <laughs> you know, she is pregnant today and was yesterday and will be tomorrow. Pregnant with her fourth baby, and we are very excited to be welcoming in this little kiddo in November or December. I'm sure that will change some of our in-person offerings as she takes maternity leave and then I will probably take a couple weeks to help support her postpartum. So, woohoo! Congratulations, Sarah. Um, yeah. That's all I have for you today. I hope you're staying dry and out of the mosquitoes and enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>